welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various doctrines of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane. And I'm Rick Gromlich. What it is, homie. Hey, back at it. Back in the saddle. Again. On a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, baby. Just had a nice lunch mm-hmm. with the Brunings. It's good to see them. And glad, glad I could invite them over for lunch. Yeah, that was, that was so nice of you to invite them over to our house and yeah. uh, hey, man. feed them with your food. Anytime. I just try to be generous with the things I have. Yeah, yeah. We hear some crying babies upstairs right now, and uh, we're grateful for our wives, who are amazing. Let us go do mm-hmm. this thing for a little bit. Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah. So how was your week, dude? Been a good week. Uh, kind of a long week. Did a lot. Just working. I was down in Columbus for a couple of days. What were you doing Up in Columbus? in Akron for a day for training. Um, I was down here one day working with my dad. And then I was down here for a day helping watch your daughter. That's um, right. So, but yeah, all in all, it was a good week. And uh, how about you, buddy? Had kind of a big week for you. Dude, it was a busy Head, week. Headlining week for the Kane family. Yeah, really, really busy. We had our church planter assessment Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah. And that was extremely taxing, but very encouraged. It went as you, well as I could have asked for it to have You have been gone. assessed. Yeah, we have been assessed. We has, don't know has if we Has the tribe spoken? They have not. Nope. They say, wait two weeks, and then you'll get an answer. Wow. You think that's because they just don't have the heart to break it to you? Yeah, probably. They're like, you know what? Let's get, let gotta, this guy dream yeah. for another two weeks. Let the, dreamer, let the kid dream. Yeah. Uh, Literally and uh, metaphorically. <laughs> and then we'll uh, load him down easy. Yeah. But all in all, it was a big deal, and it went well. Yeah, it went, it went as well as I could have asked for it, too. Um, and then, right, I mean, we're done with that. And then the very next day, I'm taking off for Louisville for all-day classes. You are just a jet setter, my friend. Oh, I'll tell you. are just like here one day, gone the next, from this town to the next, just circuiting the Midwest with, uh, Mm. I don't know, your ESV Bible. Well, it was the CSB. Oh, that's right. You're a convert. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, thank you, Zach, for sending your request in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Zach's a big ESV fan, and he sent in... question from Zach we're going to talk about today A suggestion is, is, why is ESV truly the best translation for the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> he sent a couple other uh, ones, too, but... Yeah, read them um, off for us, Rob. Okay, okay, okay. Zach Murphy, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, here you go, Zach. He's a public school... <laughs> <laughs> don't read him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're saying don't read him? Not after I said his name. Oh, well, okay. Uh, I, was, he, I, I mean, he was on the thing earlier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't uh, read him. All right. Okay. Although today we are talking about, um, got some requests in. We want to deal with one of those today. Yeah. So I, I imagine that's you telling me to to read the request mm-hmm. I sent in. Yeah. Okay. Good yeah, job. I'll read it. I got it. So this is from Sophie. Thanks for writing in, Sophie. And she says this. She says, hi there. I've been listening to your... <laughs> what? <laughs> What's so funny? There's nothing funny about that. Just the way you read it. You're like, hi there. <laughs> Like I imagine inflection. I imagine there is a little bit of a pause. So, hi there. <laughs> All right, Sophie. We're I've sorry been listening to your podcast for a while now. I just left a five star review. Or left a, I just left a five star and review for you. Hopefully, thank it worked. You. Sophie, thank you. You rock. Um, anyways, I have a Muslim coworker who is one of my very good friends, and I have trouble explaining the Trinity to him so that he can understand. First off, awesome that you're reaching out to your Muslim coworker mm-hmm. and befriending them. Yeah. Um, he also is caught up on the fact that Jesus never said directly, I am God, and that there is no direct statement on how Jesus, 
and the Holy Spirit were pre-existing before creation along with the Father. If you could explain or if you could expand on this topic so that I could help better explain this to him, that would be great. Thank you for doing what you're doing and spreading the good news. Thanks, Sophie. Appreciate that, Sophie. Good Thank question. you, Sophie. Very good question. Rob, you want to take that one? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's kind where of, do we want to start with that? Of, well, it's kind of a multifaceted question at first. It's, you know, she, she wants to talk with the Muslims about the Trinity, and then she wants to learn more about, for her friend, um, Jesus and the Holy Spirit being co-eternal and mm-hmm. equal to God the Father. Um, so it's really a, trin- a Trinity question yeah. um, around the doctrines of the Trinity. and. When dealing with Muslims, that's usually one of the biggest hang-ups is the Trinity. Yeah. Um, and understandably so, it's it's complex. It's, in one hand, it's simple. On the other hand, it's very complex. Um, I was actually having having breakfast with a Muslim a little bit ago, and, and that was his biggest hang-up. Yeah. He's like, how can you say there's one God mm-hmm. when there are three in- yeah. identities that you call God? Yeah. And yeah. it, it, it can be difficult to explain, and we're not going to do it perfectly, but we're going to give it our, sh- our best shot. Well, and, and keep in mind, this is this is going to sound, um, it could sound like a cop-out, and it, it, it's not, it's truly not. But I tell people two things. One, we know that um, there is mystery around God. If I could understand everything about God, then if I could wrap my mind around all those things, then I don't think they're, it's too simple. That's a simple, like, explanation that there's a mystery there and so we have to be willing to have um a degree and hold attention of mystery saying you know i don't know how it works completely um but this is what the the scriptures say this is what it points to and this is what we believe and we do believe it's foundational yeah trinity yeah absolutely so what part of this do we want to tackle first we want to tackle the part where um jesus is not claiming to be god yeah so let's, let's start with jesus we'll deal with uh, the divinity of Christ. Okay, before before okay. Yeah, before we even do that, yeah, just, question. I know. Before we even do that, no, I just want to make a new. I just want to make okay. a clarification. Okay. So when it comes to the Trinity, so which one do you make? <laughs> when it comes to the Trinity, um, you can find boundless information on this. Okay, mm-hmm. we encourage you to dig into some systematic theologies because they're going to be the most helpful. Yeah. And I mean, check out Gruden's, um, Grudem's, Gruden. John Gruden. Yeah, exactly. He's got some good football uh, <laughs> yes. systematic books out there. <laughs> uh, um, check out Wayne Grudem's systematic. Check out Louis Burkov's. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we go into this, here's about as deep as we're going to get. I'm, we're going to say that God is one in essence, mm-hmm. but th- there are three persons, three individual persons, mm-hmm. but they're one in essence. And I know that, that there's still a lot of like cloud like haze there to try and describe essence and things like that. But this is called simple theology for a reason. So if you want to <laughs> dig really simple people, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you want to dig deeper, there's a lot of really good resources and we can, mm-hmm. we can link to some of them in the show notes. Um, but we're going to try to address some of these other things too, but before we get going, because there's the common um, misconception, I shouldn't say common, but it's a, it's a heresy today. That was a heresy way back in the day called modalism. And it's kind of made a little bit of a resurgence with Mm -hmm. uh, T.D. Jakes and some of his followers. And Mm -hmm. um, he may, T.D. Jakes may deny it now, but it's it's like, it's really, really, really close to what he does believe. And so it's it's in that slippery where he did embrace it. And now he's like tried to make a quick nuance to say that it's not quite modalism. Um, But what they say is like the whole, um, 
what is it? What's the common example they use with the sun, right? Isn't that the the sun and then the yeah. light and then the the, star. the heat or something yeah. like that? Three. Or, no, no, no. The the popular one they use is the water. Where they say water is found in it found in liquid form, found in gaseous form, found in solid form with ice. Yeah. And so when people describe the Trinity that way, that's actually a heresy. <laughs> like you don't have to be a, yeah. a heretic hunter and just be yelling at people who use that example. Mm-hmm. But that's not a good example because that says yeah. that God is one and He shows up mm-hmm. in three different ways. Yeah. And the only place in Scripture where you need to point to to uh, kind of debunk that understanding is Jesus's baptism, right? Where at the very same time God is in the Son, God is speaking, saying, "This is my Jesus. Son, yeah. whom I'm well pleased," and then the Holy Spirit is descending. Mm-hmm. So God, in that moment, there are three aspects of God's essence being shown. Each it's, person in the Trinity is, is revealing themselves. Yeah, exactly. And it's the the Son analogy. Um, it's this is, I mean, it's Arianism. Yeah. It's saying that they're, they're like one was the origin and mm-hmm. it produced it, yep. um, the the rays or the heat yep. via the sun. Mm-hmm. So small little, I mean, no one really. So if, you, if you get the chance, if you want to pause this podcast right now and just YouTube. Um, <laughs> Lutheran satire? <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. It's like, uh, oh, it's the Trinity with St. Patrick. Yeah. What would they have to Google, or what would they have to YouTube, YouTube to get that? I don't know. Hold on, I'm going to look it up right now. You look it up. But the point being, um, there is a complexity to all these things, and even as we try to put an analogy to it or or liken it to something, it begins to lose um, its clarity because there's really nothing like it. So I would encourage people who are trying to share the Trinity and trying to help people understand, one, the, the best thing you can do is point them to each person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and and begin to show them the characteristics and and how they um, fit together and work together. Usually, my experience, helping people understand that stuff is helpful, but when it comes to like just understanding the Trinity completely, they'll never get there, um, especially pre-conversion. But do not shy away from, from these doctrines and say, oh, like, it's just, you know, it's a mystery and move on. Like, you have to deal with Scripture. There's a lot of Scripture we can point to um, about the Trinity, and we're going to talk about it. So I'd encourage people to, to push in, press in. Don't think that if you can't clearly articulate the Trinity that this person isn't going to understand or come to Christ. Um, you, you trust the work, the Holy Spirit, to convict them and work in them, Yeah. knowing that Christ paid the price for them, and it's God's plan to redeem them. Yeah, and our babies are agreeing. Our babies are agreeing. Um, so the 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 video is called St. Patrick's Bad Analogies. And we'll put that in the show notes as well. St. Patrick's Bad Analogies. Seriously funny. It's like a almost a four-minute video. It's three minutes and 49 seconds. Check that out. Okay, so now let's get to what we were talking about, mm-hmm. where places where we would point to to show that Jesus is, in fact, divine. So I will go ahead and, and say a couple of the portions. Yeah. And then Rick, you can dive in. But one of the one of the ones that is really helpful is if you look at the beginning of Revelation. Okay, chapter 1, verse 8. It says, this is God speaking. He says, "I am the alpha and the omega," says the Lord God, "who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty." Okay, so it says right there that the Lord God says that I am the alpha and the omega. God is the Alpha and the Omega. And then Revelation 22, verse 13, 
we see Jesus say, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And so what we're seeing is that at the beginning of Revelation, God the Father is saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And then we see at the end of Revelation, Jesus saying, I am the Alpha and the, the, Alpha and the Omega. Mm-hmm. There's only one Alpha and Omega, and that's God. Mm-hmm. But we see two people yeah. saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Yeah. So right there, when Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, he is making an explicit statement that he is God. Yes. He's the beginning and he's yeah. the end. Yeah. Rick, go with yours. Yeah. Um, well, I just quickly... We, we see that in John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, word was with God, and the word was God. And then it's Jesus, um, the Son. And then in John 10, picking up in verse 30, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Verse 28. Sorry, I must have started before 30. Um, verse 28. I gave them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. That's verse 30. Verse 31. Then the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, have, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? And the Jews answered him, It is not for the good works that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. So this is really important because th- if anyone knew what was going on, it was the Jews. And they were clearly understood what Jesus was doing here. And Jesus was saying, I and the Father are one. I am God. And they're getting ready to, to stone him to death for that blasphemy. Now, if Jesus was not God, that would have been worthy for them to stone him back based on their customs in the Old Testament. However, he was the coming Messiah. He was God in the flesh. And so here is a, a physical um, proof where Jesus declared himself God, and we know it's, that's what he was doing because the Jews were getting ready to stone him to death for it. They knew exactly who Jesus was declaring himself to be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes we just read the text without actually thinking about what is happening in that moment. Like, in that moment, Jesus talking to them, he knows exactly what nerve he's going to strike when he uses these words. And so when they go to pick up those stones, he asks them, like, for what good work are you about to stone me for? Like, he's clarifying. Mm -hmm. And they say, it's actually not for any of the good works. It's because you called yourself God. Like, that's why we're going to clarify, or that's why we're going to stone you. Um, But then another one um, you see in Hebrews 1.8, where the author writes, but of the Son, he says, so right there, real Really explicit. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. Mm -hmm. So the author is pointing out that uh, they're saying of the Son, and then they reference your throne, O God. And so they're they're calling the Son God, and they're talking about his throne and it being forever and ever. Yes. Yeah, and uh, this is a a point referencing that Jesus was co-eternal. Obviously, he's a part of the Trinity. He's co-eternal. John 17, 24 says, Father, I desire that they also, whom this is his prayer, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundations of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And those and these know that you have sent me. And in this prayer, this is before the, the crucifixion, Jesus is praying for his, his disciples and he's praying to the Father and he's saying, Lord, 
help them to see the glory that I had with you before the foundations of the world, um, before the earth was created. Yeah, and, and I would partner that verse with Isaiah 42, 8. So mm-hmm. Jesus is just saying, like, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had mm-hmm. with you, right? So there was a glory that God had that he was sharing with Jesus. So there's this shared glory going on. Mm-hmm. But in Isaiah 42, verse 8, we read, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. And so Isaiah 42, 8 is explicitly saying that God doesn't share his glory with anybody, mm-hmm. with with zero zilch nada, his glory is for himself, and he doesn't share that with anyone else. But then in John seventeen five, Jesus says, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Mm-hmm. And so first off, we see a couple things there, that one, Jesus is sharing glory with the Father, but, but God says that he doesn't share his glory with anyone. So that explicitly means that Jesus is God. Right. But then we also see that he enjoyed this glory with him before the world existed, which is a reference to Jesus's eternality. There is no beginning, there is no end. He is the beginning and the end, the Alpha, the Omega. Yes. And in Philippians 2, verse 10, it says, So that the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And he, so there's this command that the, every tongue, everything will worship Jesus. And if Jesus is not God, then that's blasphemy to worship anything that's not God. Yeah. yeah. So to say, you will worship, for, for God to say, you will worship, this will bring glory to the Father, you will worship the Son. Every knee bow, every tongue confess, that's straight her- blasphemy and heresy. If, if less, Jesus is God. Yeah. Um, you already covered John. We don't, we don't worship angels. We don't worship any kind of other yeah. like higher being because everything else is created. Yes, yes. So that that's where I was going to next is that you already covered John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But if you continue on, it says, He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Mm-hmm. So when you think of God... Typically, you're thinking of the creator of all things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, what we read right here is that Jesus, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, this Word was in the beginning with God, and through the, this Word, everything was made, and nothing was made, or nothing that has been made was made by anything else but Him. Yeah. But then, but then, like, it's referencing the Word that's doing all that, right? Everything has been created. It's created through the Word. And then we see just a few verses down in verse 14, the Word that was referenced in those verses just a little bit ago, the Word became flesh yeah. and dwelt among us. Mm-hmm. And so now we see that this Word that is talked about at the beginning of John, these first few verses that created everything that was, that was with God and that is God, it became flesh. It's Christ. And it's, it is Jesus Christ, which the Gospel of John makes very explicit. I'm going to read a little excerpt out of Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. On page 543, he talks about um, how the Word of God, the word theos, and it is used for Christ. It says, although the word of theos, God, is usually reserved in the New Testament for God the Father, nonetheless, there are several passages where it is used to, re- to refer to Jesus Christ. In all these passages, the word God is used 
in the strong sense to refer to the one who is the creator of heaven and earth, the ruler over all. These passages include John 1.1. 1, 1. We just talked about first part of John 1. Yep. John 1.18, 1, John 20.28, 20, Romans 9.5, Titus 2.13, and Hebrews 1.8, which is quoting Psalm 45, and then 2 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. So it talked about how these have been discussed at at length um, about the Trinity and how like as we, sorry as we discuss at length about the Trinity, it's good to remember that there's passages in Scripture that deal with this and say, hey, this is this is God. Like yeah. um, it, it wasn't a question, you know. But as people get in, they want to say, hey, I want to see in the text where it says Jesus is God the Father or Jesus is. But it's where it's like, well, it can't because he's not. But they are. Part of the Godhead, part of the Trinity together. Yeah, and there are um, just a couple of the verses that I want to reference. I know we've already covered a lot, but it, it's really important to show that this this claim that mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't say he's God, or like the Bible doesn't say Jesus is God, that's a really unfounded claim because there are a lot of places where, if we just think about what we're mm-hmm. reading, we can see that. And so, Second Peter one one, which you just referenced, it starts off by saying Simon Peter a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right there, he references him as God and Savior. Now, some people would say, well, no, he's saying in God, through God, and then the Savior, Jesus Christ. But that would just, that you would really have to kind of manipulate the text to make it say that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But then the, what, what passage is it? With Doubting Thomas, I should probably... Well, when you're doing that, I want to talk a little bit. Uh, there's another pa- uh, yeah. portion out of Wingardum Systematic on page 247. It says, the importance of the doctrine of the Trinity. Why was the church so concerned about the doctrine of the Trinity? Is it really essential to hold to the full deity of the Son, meaning Jesus, and the Holy Spirit? Yes, it is. For this teaching has implications for the very heart of the Christian church. First, the atonement is at stake. If Jesus is merely created be- a created being and not fully God— then it is hard to see how a creation, a creature could bear the full wrath of God against all of our sins. Second, justification by faith alone is threatened if we deny the full deity of the Son. This is seen today in the teaching of the Jehovah's Witnesses, who do not believe in justification by faith alone. If Jesus is not fully God, we would rightly doubt whether we could really trust him to save us completely. Could we really depend on a creature fully um, for all of our salvation? Third, if Jesus is not infinite God, should we pray to him and worship him? So why would we worship something that's not omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, right? And then fourth, if someone teaches that Christ was created being, but nonetheless one who saved us, then this teaching wrongly begins to, to attribute credit for salvation to a creature and not to God himself. And then I'm going to end after this one. Fifth says, the independence and personal nature of God are at stake. If there is no Trinity, then there were no um, interpersonal relationships within the being of God before creation. And without personal relationship, it is difficult to see how God could genuinely um, could be genuinely personal or be without the need for a creation to relate to. So I kind of jumped with it, but the fifth point is being God is relational because of the Trinity. And without the Trinity, 
there's there's no reason to, to think that God would be capable of relationship or um, desire it or know what to do with it. Yeah. Really good stuff. And I feel like we're not going to get through all this because I know you got to yeah. go and um, there's just a lot more that we need to cover. We're not even going to get to the head, heart, hands aspect boom, of this. Boom, boom. But I do want to continue to move on through some of these verses. So um, in John 20, we mm-hmm. read about Jesus's resurrection. And then Thomas, one of his disciples, says, I, I won't believe until I until I see him myself. And I put my uh, hand in his side and put my finger through the holes in his hands. And so then Jesus shows up to him. And we read this starting in verse 26. It says, a week later, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas was with them. Even then, or even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, so he points out to his boy Thomas, who he knows has had these doubts, and he's going to address them right now. So he says to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God. So Thomas's response to mm-hmm. Jesus, after he sees the holes mm-hmm. and he sees the side, his response is to proclaim that Jesus is his Lord yes. and his God. Mm-hmm. That was the point of what Jesus was trying to do, was trying to stir faith in Thomas. If Thomas's response was my Lord and my God, and that was the wrong response, then Jesus would have pointed that out. But instead, we see that that is exactly what he was trying to get Thomas to understand, is that he is Lord and he is God. Mm -hmm. Because the very next thing that he says is, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Yes. And so he's pointing out to Thomas, like, hey, so I proved this to you because you've seen me. You Mm -hmm. came to the conclusion on your own after seeing these things that I am Lord and I am God. Blessed are you. Yes. But even more blessed are those who believe that, that mm-hmm. very thing, that I'm Lord and I'm God without seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to touch real quickly on the um, how the Holy Spirit is also a coach. I mean, he's, he's in the Trinity, but in Genesis 1, verse 2, is creation talks about the Spirit of God hovered over the deep. That's, that is the Holy Spirit. And then in Hebrews 9, 14, it says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, capital S, Offered him through who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God. So this idea that it's only Christ maybe who's eter- co-eternal, but it's it is the Holy Spirit with well, God. And we also see that I mean John four twenty four God mm-hmm. is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Yep. I mean the the question of whether or not the spirit is eternal is a much less contested statement. Mm-hmm than whether or not Jesus is divine and eternal. Um, We hope that we've given enough evidence, scripturally speaking, that Jesus does make these claims and that the scriptures affirm these claims. But the one about about God being, or that the Holy Spirit being eternal with the Father and Mm. and being God as well, Mm. that one is much less contested because we see that God is spirit. And then when it references the spirit, I mean, right from the get-go in the beginning of Genesis. But I would also say, though, although it's, it's not contested as much, it is actually, there's a lot of confusion because people do not realize that the Holy Spirit is co-equal mm. in majesty and authority with God the Father, with God the Son. Yeah. So it's it's can often be treated like, you know, there's God the Father, God the Son, and then there's like this Holy Spirit thing, and they call it it, they don't understand. No, it's a, it's it's God, mm-hmm. like of equal value, equal importance, and just the power that 
um, that he that we can sometimes attribute to God via the Holy Spirit. You know, it's like a, it's like the Holy Spirit's the, the the conduit for that power, and it's really it's it's His power in us. Yeah. So there's also, I mean, we've got we've got all kinds of, I mean, we've got too many verses here. Um, we're gonna we're gonna put this stuff up in the show notes. That's gonna take me some time, but it'll it'll be worth having. So you guys can reference it anytime. And if we didn't cover this in, in its entirety, which I already know we didn't, but if there are further questions with it, just shoot us a message. Say, hey, thanks for your recent episode, yeah. but could you clarify on this, this, and this? We'd and, be happy to do that. And I would also just encourage um, everyone. It can be, it can feel cumbersome, but seriously, like, go buy a Wayne Groom systematic theology. And you're not going to read it from cover to cover probably, but just begin to look in the concordance for um, – Whatever, like Holy Spirit or the divinity of Christ, the deity of Christ, um, or the humanity of Christ, and just start to read. And you can just read chunks. There's plenty of verses. I mean, you can spend hours just digging into those passages um, or a paragraph or, of t- or two, but it's going to take a little bit of legwork that you might not feel like you want to do at first, but it's going to pay off tremendously. Yeah. Or you could also or, head over to audibletrial.com slash simple theology and then check out and see. I actually don't know if Wayne Grudem's book I is in there. Highly doubt. But if it is, great. If not, there's going to be some great books mm-hmm. on uh, the Trinity and we will link to some of them in the show notes as well. I'm making a lot of promises about the show notes uh, that hey, I hope... I'm so glad you do the show notes. I man. hope that I can keep so these promises. Glad. So anyway, uh, we did a giveaway episode mm-hmm. last week and yeah. we got a little slap on the hand so we need to adjust our giveaway and they, we're, we're going to work on it. They actually had Rob in handcuffs no, get ran a the way. We're going to get like, in trouble whoa, whoa, for saying whoa, whoa, this. Whoa. Rob, Rob. And I just said, listen, he is innocent until proven guilty. <laughs> So we're trying to, re- to adjust that giveaway. We still want to get those products in your hands because they're really cool products. Yeah. Um, really great stuff, especially that Bible. That mm. Bible is nice. You can't even pronounce who made it or what it Skyler. is. Skyler. If I'm pronouncing Schooler. it wrong, then, then I hope somebody Schooler. lets me know. Right. Anyway. Somebody other than Rick. Yeah, so <laughs> please, somebody who actually knows what I'm talking about. Okay, and, and I'm deleting our Twitter. It's, it's done, so okay, you don't cool. have to reference it. Well, hey, you know where to find us, um, unless this is your first time listening, which it is. We appreciate that. Everyone, please head over to iTunes and uh, leave us a review, five star rating and a review. Yes, we Sophie, appreciate thank that. you for doing that. Yeah, she was the last one. You to go, do girl. That. And actually, that was a little while ago. So um, we need some we need some loving on our iTunes spot. Uh, hey, we do appreciate you guys. You can always connect with us on Facebook at Simple Theology, or head over to our website, simpletheology.org, and uh, love to connect. Peace out. Peace.